Hi, everyone. Welcome to Nerdy Latina's podcast. This is Sabritas, and I'm here with my co-host, Short Latina. Hey, everyone. And today, we have a wonderful guest with with us today. Uh, Edith is a longtime resident of La Vita. She's a first-generation college student and the youngest of four. She was the second in her family to graduate um, with a university degree. And she currently works as a community organizer at El Vejo Little Village Environmental Justice Organization. Welcome, Edith. We are super excited to have you today. How are you doing? Hey, y'all. I'm good. <laughs> have you been enjoying this weather? Just to give our listeners just a spiel, we're recording in, in the transition of winter to spring, and it is it was about 60 degrees this weekend. So Chicago was like, it's summer. Let's get that carne asada going. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. But second winter is I was going to say, I'm like, Chicago. I'm prepared for that second or third wave of winter. Because I know it's coming. <laughs> because it never fails that we no, get no. our hopes up. And yeah. then, sure enough. Yeah. And then we get like six inches of snow. <laughs> yeah always never fails so tell us tell us a little bit more about your connection to La Vita Elite uh where did you grow up in La Vita yeah so um again Edith, a lifelong resident of the Little Village community uh for folks not familiar uh with Little Village um it is known as like the uh, little Mexico of the Midwest. Um, I live really close by the Discount Mall. Um, so for folks uh, not familiar, the Discount Mall is basically um, uh, a, a store of like close to 200 uh, small vendors. Um, they're all like uh, own mom pop shops. Um, you can literally find almost anything that is close to, uh, you know, your hometown in Mexico if you're Mexican or if you're trying to uh, explore Mexican cultures. Um, that's definitely a spot to to go to. Oh, look at me, I'm plugging Discount Mom. It's a vibrant community. Um, very uh, dense community. We have about close to 80,000 residents that live in a five mile radius. Um, so it's pretty dense. Um, mm -hmm. It also um, not only like filled with like beautiful murals, um, stores, um, you know, amazing restaurants, um, but it's also home to the third largest industrial corridor. Um, which is pretty um, intense uh, for folks familiar with industrial corridors. There's a lot of industry that has been operating in our community for close to, um, or actually over a hundred years. Uh, many of them, um, unfortunately, not following um, air uh, quality regulations. Um, so our community, unfortunately, has uh, very high rates of folks that have um, asthma or respiratory illnesses. So um, mm -hmm. that's why I'm part of El Vejo. Yeah, and you know, some of our listeners uh, might say, well, you know, you can always move if, if you don't like it, right? Um, what do you say to that? Yeah, so this is also like, I'm going into my maybe second year of like official organizing, I guess. Um, I've always been uh, volunteering um, and organizing right outside of like the nonprofit um, sector. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I do hear that a lot when I go into meetings. I hear that, I hear that, you know, folks usually tend, you know, to, to leave because of violence and, and you know, that's real. Um, but a lot of the, the environmental injustices that are happening in our community, right, are linked to like various things. Um, and it's not easy to pick up and go. Um, many of our residents are renters. Um, they have lived here all their life. And why should they get to leave? Why can't we hold corporations uh, accountable for the, you know, public health insecurities that they have caused in our community for decades. So why should we leave? Why can't they get their act together? Yeah. And um, I know we're going on a tangent, <laughs> but, you know, I know that um, Lincoln Park uh, very quickly organized and said, no, we don't want a factory here. And the mayor listened and moved it to La Viguita. And 
there's also organization or organizing in La Villita, but that's not being, um, the response is not, not the same. Right, right. Yeah. So are you talking about General Iron? Or, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So General Iron, yeah, has been operating um, in Lincoln Park um, for, you know, many decades. And yeah, a lot of the, you know, Lincoln Park used to be a predominantly Puerto Rican Black community, right? And obviously all this gentrification started happening on the North Side. Um, and now uh, Lincoln Park is a predominantly white, wealthy community. Um, yes, their neighbors did organize and took them probably less than two years to get, you know, General Iron out. But this is unfortunately part of like the larger scheme that the city is putting together to, you know, really utilize, um, you know, tax dollars, our money to prioritize um, luxury developments like Lincoln, um, Lincoln Yards, um, that is part of the Sterling Bay, uh, Sterling Bay uh, development. Um, and so um, a few years ago, there was like this whole, um, movement and organizing right to to call attention to how our public money our public funds um, that should be going to schools should be going to mental health institutions should be going to um, you know um, uh, clinics right to support the public um, unfortunately is funding these type of luxury developments that we ourselves as Chicago residents will have no access to um, so they are moving um, that company to the southeast side um, in Chicago um, and another environmental justice community, Black, Brown um, community um, that did see, right, the deindustrialization of Chicago, um, did see high numbers of folks in their communities getting laid off, right, high poverty rates, unfortunately, developed. And so um, the city decided to say, hey, why not? put another polluter in this, you know, community that's already struggling. Um, and so it is unfortunate that all these environmental justice communities that are predominantly, predominantly in the south side of Chicago, um, you know, are unfortunately already seeing high rates or have been seeing high rates of, um, you know, respiratory illnesses, even cardiac, um, you know, illnesses that is in direct link to, um, you know, the pollution that is happening just right outside your window. And so that envi that's environmental racism. That's exactly it. Yeah. I mean, even the city of Chicago has produced their own research, right, have collected their own data uh, to highlight and illustrate um, where, the, where are the hotspots areas, right, that the city identifies as you know, um, areas that have um, high traffic congestion, have, you know, um, X amount of trucks traveling um, in and out of communities. Um, and obviously these communities are close to the um, highways. Um, you know, these are um, communities that are being targeted by warehousing, um, warehousing industries um, like Amazon, like Walmart, like Target, um, because they're trying to get that much closer. Um, it's called the um, wild one mile distribution um, or last mile distribution, which is like one mile or one to five miles, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, depending. Um, but, you know, these are these are locations that, you know, these industries and these developers are targeting to make to make sure that they're maximizing, right, the their their profits and at the cost of whom, right, us, the 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 folks that are directly living here, that are you know working here, that are you know trying to provide for their families, that are trying to provide for their communities, and all of these policies, unfortunately, are getting passed because they're being sold um, of this image that you know the city is going to be banking and it's going to be making you know, X amount of dollars. Um, but it doesn't really, it doesn't really add up because these corporations keep getting tax breaks. Expose uh, them, expose them, Edith, on yeah, this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> these corporations are still getting millions of dollars of tax breaks. Um, and, you know, at the end of it, right, once you start really tallying up everything, um, for example, right, you're gonna have heavy diesel trucks coming in and out of communities. That's damage to infrastructure, 
to begin, you know, that's just like basic, right? If you have this, uh, you know, a company, um, for example, there's a company in, in our community, um, B-Way, um, or now known as Mauser, um, operating right next to Little Village Lawndale High School, have had numerous of air quality uh, violations, right? And yet they still can operate, um, even though they are operating right next to a high school. Um, these are, you know, for example, also another example, Hilco Redevelopment Partners, um, who caused um, an environmental disaster uh, last year on April 11th, um, right at the beginning of the pandemic, um, we were all sheltering in place. Um, the city allowed for Hilco to um, implode the, the remain the smokestack at the former Crawford coal plant, um, and. They had, there have been numerous um, site violations of dust leaving the site. They're supposed to contain everything, right? But how can you really contain particles? How can you really contain air? Mm -hmm. um, and we were hoping that the remediation and the demolition of the former Crawford coal plant, which was operating for close to 80 years, which did cause you know, um, close to 80 premature deaths per year, you know, to, I think, um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but close to like, uh, I don't want to say the wrong numbers. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's okay. <laughs> but, but, you no. know, they did cause, unfortunately, you know, too many, you know, one life is, is too many, but yeah. they, you know, they did cause wow. a lot of premature deaths. Um, folks, uh, and they don't say that. They don't say that. No, they they don't say that. And no so idea. that's that's the one reason, right? There was this campaign to launch um, that that El Vejo launched in um, in 2000, um, along with other community organizations um, in the Pilsen community, which is an, another community right next to us that did also house, um, you know, a, another coal plant. So we had two operating coal plants still in the early 2000s um, in the city of Chicago, the third largest city in the United States. I'm trying to create like, you know, some, some vis visualization yeah. here. And, you know, you have two communities that are highly dense, um, obviously, you know, uh, immigrant, um, brown, Latinx, black, right? Um, and, you know, all of our residents were being exposed to these type of toxins. And so it took a 12, it was a 12 year campaign to shut down those two coal plants. Um, and the city engaged with, um, with our communities to, you know, see what we wanted to to develop on this site, what did what did we envision after oh, close to eight decades of harm? We were seeing an opportunity, right, to be able to um, create something for communities um, by community. Um, this was also um, during the Rahm Emanuel administration. So, if folks don't know who Rahm Emanuel is. Google him. He's trash. <laughs> he's trash. He's trash. He's trash. He is um, trash. Yes. Um, yeah. And so um, he uh, will expose him again between 2010, 2018. His administ or his campaign uh, received close to $130,000 of donations from Hilco Global, mm -hmm. which is kind of like the parent company of of Hilco Redevelopment Partners, which is like the branch. Um, this is the the corporation or developer that purchased the former Crawford Coal Plant. Um, basically, backdoor deal, um, or no one notified the community that you know this developer was um, looking into purchasing uh, Crawford and Fisk, um, and it was a done deal in December of 2017. Our executive director got an email from the former alderman Ricardo Munoz, another person who I'm calling out here. Yeah. Uh, who said like, hey, this is this is happening. They purchased it and they're going to be including us in their, you know, development. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay, right? Yeah, yeah. It already happened. Like, yeah, literally point? like. Well, I, I want to backtrack a little bit because yeah. I almost, because Sabritas and Eddie, okay. you guys live in Little Village. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want our listeners to picture what is happening. This is a year ago. 
everybody's told to shelter in place, don't go outside, right? Uh, wear masks. Um, and you just got to be home, right? Be home. Yes. And it was warm that day. Right? So it was April 11th. I, I remember this day very well because I remember the short notice. I remember on Facebook, um, I remember somebody posting on the La Villita Facebook page that this implosion was going to happen. And I didn't even see it myself. It was my mom who was who knew that I was looking, that I was um, watching the situation so closely that she that she told me, she was like, Mija, has visto que, que van a que van a quitar el resto de, del edificio, right? Like they're gonna do the implosion. And I was like, no, you're lying. Like they wouldn't, like we're in the middle of a pandemic. Like that's it. And then, and, and again, keep in mind, this was at the beginning of the shutdown. Everyone was still getting used to that situation and still understanding how to live through that. And so I remember that morning and I felt literally the earth shake beneath me when it, and when, um, when the implosion happened because I probably reside around uh, about like eight blocks east of of the Crawford plant and so yeah and so it's very very close and so I I was just in utter shock um at that point I closed all the windows I closed all the windows and I closed all the doors and I was like we're not going outside yeah, and the, we have uh, vendedores ambulantes, so street vendors are outside. We have people walking their dogs, uh, children playing outside uh, because it's the pandemic. So they want to, you know, burn some energy people outside. We have people gardening, cleaning, gardening. It was spring. you know, li- yeah. living their life. At least, um, and then I'm sorry, Eddie. Do you remember what you were doing that day when it happened? When the implosion occurred? Yeah, so I was kind of like on the other end of trying to circulate information, reaching out to some of the folks that I've already tried to uh, create a, like a, a like a working relationship, um, reaching out to my base um, as 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 much as I could. Um, but yeah, so our um, our executive director actually received an email on April 9th, um, it was sent out like at 9 p.m. And so they texted me and I'm like, I can't, no, this isn't, this isn't happening. This isn't real. How, how are, how is the city allowing this to happen? Like, this is, this isn't happening. <laughs> like, I was still kind of surprised, like, still in shock um, as I'm kind of recalling uh, that, that day. Um, but we spent all of April 10th calling, reaching out to whomever would listen, reaching out to our allies and our contacts um, at City Hall, reaching out to um, the older people who we try to work with um, as, as, as closely as we can. Um, and unfortunately, um, the city said, no, you know what, we checked in with Hilco. Um, they showed us, you know, all of the protocols that they're going to take into account. Um, so you shouldn't worry about it. And so we set up uh, an alert um, through our social media and through our networks, just informing folks, right, that the implosion was happening on April 11th at 8 a.m. Um, and to, you know, turn off their their um, air purifiers to turn off um, any type of like, you know, if they had their AC on to turn it off, to um, close their windows, shut their doors, try to, you know, put um, toallitas in between like the cracks of the windows. So like none of the dusk um, can come in. And um, I don't, I was telling my roommate I should go and witness this. Like, you know, I know that I, I live kind of far from, from the actual site. And I was, t- I was telling them like, I should really go witness this. Uh, like, estoy bien inquieta. Um, I just don't, I, I, I wanna see it for myself. And my, my roommate being who they are um, and being who I am, um, they're like, no, you should really stay home. You should really like, I, I know it's like really heavy. 
um, stuff, but maybe you should try to try to stay away. I'm like, it's impossible. I can't stay away. How, how can I stay away? And so um, I did, I didn't go, um, but I was um, on social media, like everyone else in the neighborhood. Um, I did see, you know, I did hear from, from, you know, folks that I've talked to that I've developed, you know, relationships with. Um, they also told me that their, that their home shook. Um, and that was one of the things that we were really worried about. Um, whole, you know, folks is home shaking, messing with the water line. Um, some folks did report um, different taste um, in their water, uh, some discoloration in their water as well. And so that was an added, right, um, layer of anxiety, added layer of trauma, because, you know, the, the, the botched implosion didn't go as Hilco promised, um, and Hilco has always promised many things. Um, and I don't, you know, we're still trying to process and understand why the city of Chicago would even believe Hilco, given their track record, given the fact that one of our, one of their employees and, and a resident of Little Village died, you know, they fell to their death in December of 2019. Then you had, you know, all of these, um, water runoff um, uh, inspections that they didn't pass. And so they were fined, um, you know, more air pollution uh, was, you know, more um, dust was leaving the site. So they were cited again. Um, so, and, and the city knew that they weren't really sharing information with us, um, with El Vejo, with the residents. Um, they've set up this website and um, for the former part of 2019 and early 2020, they weren't even translating their, their Spanish language website. So if you didn't, you know, if you didn't speak or read English, you know, residents were basically kind of left out. Um, and so they weren't, um, weren't required to install air monitoring, El Vejo set up their own air monitoring network because um, even though this is the first, coal power plant being demolished um, in the city of Chicago, the state nor the city made it a requirement for this company to put up air monitors. They didn't think to inform their residents, especially residents that live so close. We're literally talking a few hundred feet away, mm -hmm. um, you know, where residents live. We have, you know, hundreds of homes, you know, these are uh, multi-units. Um, so we have like thousands of families living here. We're in mm -hmm. shelter in place. And you have this company implode this smokestack. There's no protocol that they are actually following. And you have um, a cloud of tox toxic dust kind of flowing through the community. Um, and some folks would say that it kind of traveled about 10 city blocks. Um, so reaching um, another community um, to our North, North Londo. Um, and the city just did not know how to respond to this environmental disaster. And I think to this day, there's, you know, they're still trying to figure out how to continue to you know move forward the, with this demolition I mean the demolition is still continuing the redevelopment is still continuing this you know one million square foot warehouse facility is you know still um, on the road to open and so it's very much a slap to I, I think a slap to mm -hmm. the community um, and like the level of disregard the level of how I see the city of Chicago just finding our community disposable and our residents disposable because mm -hmm. if that would have happened the north side mm -hmm. where wealthy people live, no, that wouldn't have that wouldn't have happened. They they would have shut everything down, everything down. And that's where they live. They live in the suburbs exactly. up north suburbs. That's their home. Let's take a break.
And we're back. Uh, we're back with Edith, an activist uh, in La Villita. Um, and we were just discussing uh, fucking Hilco's <laughs> and actions, criminal actions, to be honest. Yeah, um, very criminal. Criminal yeah. actions. Um, and we were, we, were, we were just taking a memory lane for a year to a year ago um, about what happened that day of the implosion. Um, but now, you know, we, want, we would like to know about the aftermath. Yeah, so the aftermath was pretty intense because um, we basically turned around to the city and said, we told you so. We saw this disaster coming. We have been dealing with this company for, you know, three years now. Um, and, you know, you didn't take our word for it. You know, we... Um, have always had a difficult time trying to get information from them, trying for them to explain things, not only to, um, you know, the organization, but, you know, we respond to other residents, right? We um, follow their lead, um, we follow their concerns. And so this is why we are doing what we're doing. Um, and so the city obviously pinned everything on Hilco and, um, Hilco um, did end up paying um, a $68,000 fee to the city of Chicago. Pennies. Pennies. This Literally is pennies. Not to the uh, residents. No, not to the residents, but to the city of Chicago. Um, and yeah, this is a multi, you know, national billion dollar you know corporation and they the city of chicago only find them sixty thousand dollars um and um the illinois environmental protection agency also filed um for the attorney general to also follow up right um on this uh botched implosion that caused this environmental disaster and they actually just um a few months ago settled um but by no means did Hilco take the blame right they didn't say that they were responsible they settled um and both Hilco and the two former um uh construction uh companies ended up paying close to 368,000 um which is also pennies um this is money that is supposed to be going to um, and this is where like, it really like threw me off. This is going um, to one of the local health clinics um, and for them to continue to support the health disparities that Little Village, you know, unfortunately suffers through. And that like took us over because how the hell do you pay this fee, right? Um, knowing that you, very well are not only responsible for this environmental disaster, but also responsible for any future like health disparities, right, that this community is causing, you know, enter your 1 million square foot warehouse facility that's going to be bringing in 400 to 500 diesel trucks per day. So, so condescending. Very, very, very. And the city of Chicago se lavó las manos. And then Hilco said, I will ask Manos and was like, no, it's the construction workers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I believe recently there was an article that came out that the facility is actually like 300,000 square feet larger than they, than they said it was going to be. And they said it was an, it was an oversight. It was, it was a, a discrepancy. A yeah. discrepancy that the architect the architect made. It's like, like, like how do you hide it close to seven acres? Like that ass, what? Like oh, as an architect, wow. you failed math or what? Like how? Um, that's insane. Yeah. That's so insane. Yeah. And um, I don't live in Little Village again. Um, so I my experience is limited. My perspective is limited. But I remember residents saying that somebody was passing out uh like tapabocas and stuff and they were going to door, door to door tell me about that yeah so one of the responses um from the company was to pass out um uh single use uh facial masks um each home was getting about five 
sorry about that, was getting about five facial masks. Again, these are homes that are multi-unit. Many of our residents, right, live in intergenerational um, homes. So like one to two families might be living in one apartment. So it basically was just like, that's it. That's all you're giving us. That's how you are responding. And another kicker is that they passed out coupons um, to the local residents so that they can get their car and their windows cleaned. So that was also alarming, um, not only because that's low, but two, right, if, um, you know, if you're going to the car wash and you're asking folks to clean out your car, you don't know what's in that dust, right? So not only are you exposing, you know, the worker at the car wash, but you're, you know, exposing yourself to this, um, you know, this toxic air. Um, and, you know, just to backtrack a little bit after the implosion, um, it rained later on that afternoon and the city of Chicago didn't collect samples until two days after. So a lot of that dust did seep, unfortunately, into the ground, did seep um, in a lot of, you know, the gardens and the homes right in that area. So we don't and the city did do soil sampling but they only took one sample per um, site. Um, and we as an organization have been doing community science for numerous years because, you know, the city of Chicago thinks that we don't know anything, but when we go to these community meetings, right, we out show them, we outdata them, you know, of, of what we are actually living through, right? Um, and so when you're doing, um, when you're collecting samples, you're supposed to collect at least two to three samples per site. So you can get like, you know, consistent readings, right? When you're doing the readings of, of the soils, um, of the soil. So the city only did um, uh, a few sites and took one sample per site. So they can't really compare it to anything else. Um, so we call that sampling bogus. Um, how does the third largest city in, you know, this colonized country, you know, country mm -hmm. not provide adequate like sampling? Um, and it's just like mind boggling, really. That's like seventh grade science class. Like, didn't you do like for real? Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, this is why, right, we continue to just keep being on top of the city of Chicago because they're just not doing their job one mm -hmm. and they're not really taking our lives seriously like this is this is like life and death type situations right um and mm -hmm. it, it's it's just like they they're just like not understanding um I, you know and now that we are in March of 2021 unfortunately right they there have been some folks in the city um that have you know really taken into account like our stories um you know we have good allies that you know keep pushing um our demands right, to to hold Hilco accountable to you know try to figure out a way um that we can not only prioritize right the the workers at the at the demolition site, but you know the future workers that you know will be um, working at, at the logistics facility, and you know same with with truck with the truck drivers that you know will be moving goods in and out of, of the community. And so, we're we're kind of now looking into you know what are what are how can we you know uh, reframe right. Um, our wins because you know we've had had wins um, in 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 this unfortunate disaster um, you know that had to happen and and it sucks that it had to happen to our community um, but you know given um, that so many more coal plants are going to be decommissioned and they're going to be um, shutting down and hopefully being uh, redeveloped to something that the community wants, right? Um, you know, the, the whole state of Illinois was looking at what was happening in Little Village. And so luckily we have been able to connect to 
um, other communities in in Illinois to you know help guide this process because this is we you know we are the first um, in our state and um, you know we are hopeful that we are a, a resource right to other communities um, in, in in the state and you know we have been connecting also with other not um, other grassroots organizations um, like Philly Thrive I'm gonna do a little plug Philly Thrive um, which is another um, grassroots organizations in Philly that is also unfortunately dealing with Hillco redevelopment partners and so we're building right a coalition um, across you know the state across you know the country um, making sure right that folks that are dealing with this corporation know who they're dealing with and know how to deal with them unfortunately mm. well I love that you um I love that um that that partnership is is being established just because oftentimes you know as as we went through that enclosure as we experienced that together um oftentimes the the community can think that we're, uh, you know, we're the only ones. This is an isolated. Uh, this is an isolated situation, but it's it's not. This is happening nationally, and these corporations get away with it way too frequently with just a slap on the wrist. Um, and so we're talking about the work that you've been doing, and that you're doing currently, and so that just leads me to ask, you know, let's go back to when you first started, like what, what inspired you to become involved in, in environmental justice? Ooh, yeah. So, um, I live, um, on a very busy street. Um, and there is hardly any, local parks where I'm at like not like across the street like I have to walk maybe like um, five six blocks in order for me to get to a green space um, so when I grew up I thought that the boulevard was my park um, and it's just like a really a boulevard is basically just like a really nice you know uh drive um, very you know so many trees um, very beautiful but it's not really a park right it's just like a really beautiful space for folks to to enjoy a good stroll um, and so I always saw a lot of trucks I always saw um, you know garbage um, on, on the street um, and not a lot of folks like taking into account right just like the amount of, of pollution that was being released. And so I didn't really care for the environment until I got into college, right? Until um, I was part, you know, I was in uh, Latin American Latino studies class and learning about what environmental justice is and looking at various case studies and making the connection to um, you know, what was happening here in, in Chicago. And so that's how I actually came to learn about El Vejo. Um, El Vejo is actually um, not too far from where I live. And I came to learn more about El Vejo through um, a group of señoras that I hang out with or like volunteered with at one of the local um, schools here um, and they told me about the new community garden that they were participating in I'm like a community garden let's go check it out señoras um, so they, so <laughs> I, love that. <laughs> I love that they always got the connects <laughs> yes, so they're, the señoras they're like you know they're gonna have um, community dinners do you want to come I'm like yeah it's free <laughs> And they're like, yes, everything's free. I'm like, all right, let's go. Um, so I went to the community garden and, um, you know, uh, uh, later on, uh, a few years later, like I became really good friends uh, with one of the organizers there too. Um, and I just like stuck around and I was volunteering with the organizations. Um, I started volunteering with them in 2015. And um, yeah, I applied for a job in, in 2019 and I, and I got into El Vejo, but um, going kind of like, you know, reminiscing through how I got so 
involved and how I, I, I think, you know, our environment is so important. It actually goes way back to um, before, like my, my parents uh, migrated uh, from Mexico to the US and more specifically, my mom, my mom was from the state of Guerrero, uh, uh, coastal, um, southern state, um, Pacific um, side <laughs> of Mexico. And um, my family had to leave um, their small town um, and they had to, you know, just leave their farm, um, their livelihood because um, the Mexican government approved uh, uh, to build a dam in their town. Um, and so they had, to, they were displaced by this dam um, and they had to, you know, leave everything uh, behind and they had to relocate to a different town and um, their living situation there wasn't um, uh, the best. And so a lot of like, you know, my, my tias and my and my tios, including my mom, right, had to had to choose, right, to to migrate um, north, and so that's how um, you know my story about you know wanting to learn more about you know what is happening in our built environment, why our government's deciding for you know residents um, when we should be the ones you know kind of being asked, uh, you know kind of leading the way, right, in, in these types of large-scale projects, um, especially when they have caused so much harm um, to, to communities. Why can't we be um, prioritized? Why can't our voice be the first ones that, um, you know, developer or, you know, the city um, is working with? And so um, it, it, my passion for environmental justice kind of stems from um, you know, learning about my own family story, right, and why we were um, forced to to leave um, our, our our small town um, to you know for this other corporate you know ex you know uh, company um, you know to be able to build something, and so it kind of goes. It's kind of similar, right, to mm -hmm. um, the development of Exchange 55 here in, in, in La Villita. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, a lot of this, um, you know, this is this is very exhausting work, <laughs> I would say, um, you know, and oftentimes people um, especially like I, I would say so myself, I want to become more involved, but sometimes don't know how. Could you share with us at least how people like myself or like our listeners can help help make um, a contribution or participate in, in um, environmental justice work? Yeah, great question and, and thank you. Yeah, we have been... After the implosion, um, it felt like, you know, the world or like, you know, the pain, the grief was like on our shoulders, right? Um, but holy shit, like did like our residents, you know, our allies like really showed up for La Villita. Um, you know, we held um, so many um, car caravans, um, you know, uh, uh, one of the local grassroots organizations, um, El Foro de Pueblo, like took uh, a rally to Lori's house or, or Mayor Lightfoot's house, um, <laughs> shut her, you know, shut her, sh you know, straight down. Yeah. It, you know, that's, that's how, you know, passionate and that's how serious this is, right? Um, and so we, um, are always posting on, on our social media platforms, um, you know, our next demands, our next actions, um, how folks can get plugged in. But I do have like a text number that folks can um, get plugged in right now. Um, and it's, um, if folks text um, El Vejo, L-V-E-J-O, to uh, the number 69866. Um, again, I'll repeat it. Uh, L-V-E-J-O, uh, the number is 69866. Um, and it will do redirect you to a link where you'll send not only an email to Hilco, but you'll also send an email to um, the mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, 
um, our local alderman, uh, Mike Rodriguez, the CEO of Hilco and the CEO of Target Corporations. I know we all love our Target, but Target <laughs> is the company that will be leasing um, what we, as of now, the largest uh, warehouse facility in the, in the city of Chicago. Um, so um, with this text or with this email, um, you know, it, uh, email will be populated and you can send in support um, of the Little Village community to um, stop, right, this type of, of, of redevelopment. Well, I would also highly suggest following El Vejo on social media. They have great social media output. They're at, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure your eye is at El Vejo, correct? Yeah, I think our in man, I think our Instagram at is at elvejo twenty two zero. I believe you're right too. We'll make sure to put that plug in the description so that our listeners can follow Alvejo on all social media and keep up, especially because um, Alvejo, yes, they are situated in La Vita, but they do speak about issues nationally. Um, and so it's really, it's a really great resource for, for not only Little Village residents, but really anyone uh, who's interested in environmental justice work yeah yeah um really quick like you know we've been um around in the neighborhood for 27 years now uh you know highlighting um the environmental injustices that are happening um but we've also had beautiful results right we've have a beautiful community garden um a, a local park um all, all of these campaigns right took many years um but you know la lucha sigue um, and we we continue to to do this work because you know this is you know the love that we have for our community is real, um, and you know what we learn here we make sure that other organizations um, in the city of Chicago were part of also the Chicago Environmental Justice Network right that they also have these type of 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 um, uh, information that they need um, to you know have sort of like a leveled playing field, right? Um, with these um, unfortunate, you know, corporate developers or, or dirty polluters that are, are trying to, to continue to operate without actually being held accountable to the amount of pollution that, um, that they are um, emitting and the intense labor, um, uh, como se dice? abuse <laughs> the labor abuse mm. that is going in, that is is going on within their their operating um systems yeah thank you Adiz. um i will also say that um nori latinas is trying to really practice reciprocity and not just taking from the community and you're providing us with knowledge and all our wonderful guests are providing us with knowledge. And um, right now, Sabritas and I are just chatting and privately, but um, we've been looking for a nonprofit to donate all of our earnings that we make from this season uh, as Nordic Latinas podcast. And we would love to contribute to El Vejo, all of our earnings for this uh, season. Um, so our listeners, uh, if you cannot donate monetarily, um, you can listen to this, put it on repeat all day, every day. Um, and, you know, we can give that um, to Alvejo to continue the wonderful work, the important work um, of creating green spaces uh, in, in La Villita. Absolutely. And I think I... I love Alvejo. I follow Alvejo. And I, um, like I said, I feel like there's always uh, more ways that one can get involved. But I really, what I do appreciate about the organization the most, and I think this is something that our past guests have talked about, is Alvejo take, taking the approach and listening to the community and, and voicing the community's opinions to higher institutions or government officials and representing the community. And I, and I personally feel in a more wholesome way. Um, and so in tradition with our, uh, with, in tradition uh, here at Nerdy Latinas podcast is we ask all of our guests, um, what makes you nerdy, Eris Tovar? 
<laughs> and take, and well, you can take a moment. That can mean anything. A lot of guests can can take the the definition of nerdy to a different level. So please take your time. You can be you can push the boundaries of nerdy. I was gonna say, I'm like, can you provide an example? <laughs> yeah, we had um, Jose Alfredo say that he's nerdy for Broadway, for musicals. Oh my God, that's awesome. (laughs) And Andrea Guzman talked about how uh, she's nerdy about like, um, what did she say? She said, she said like natural medicine, Mm -hmm. natural healing, natural healing. And so that's what she's nerdy about. So I got mine already. (laughs) Let's hear it. Let's hear it. So I am nerdy about well, okay, so it's like a two combo type situation, okay? I am nerdy about rain gardens, and I am obsessed with uh, the conservation of the monarch butterflies. So I have like my own little uh, native uh, plant situation or native plant garden at where I'm at. Um, and so during the summer, I estoy buscando the little monarch caterpillars so I can bring them inside, house them, make sure that no critter eats them or no wasp stings them so that we can continue to, you know, increase our monarch butterfly population. That's beautiful. That's amazing. That's so awesome. I love that. I love, I it. love that. <laughs> Do you have a TikTok? Because I want to see <laughs> I don't are, have are you documenting this? <laughs> I did. I actually did create a video on my Insta. I think it's like four minutes long. And I just show the type of uh, native plants that I have in my garden. Um, I think I also uploaded some pictures of, of my caterpillars. But yeah, last, last summer, 2020, we were all at home. Um, I counted about uh, 18 monarch butterflies that I was able to release. Oh my God. Oh, that's awesome. You're that's like a awesome. mama. <laughs> I know. I was so proud of all of them. <laughs> oh my, that's beautiful. <laughs> I would cry. I did cry for the first few releases, but luego ya después, I'm just like, y'all got this. Y'all know where you're going. <laughs> so beautiful. Yes. That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us this this evening uh it was a pleasure and uh, honestly an honor to learn from you uh, all, all this cheese all this exposing of corporations in the city of chicago got me fired up like let us know um how we can continue to support you and support the work that el Vejo does uh, and we're there but you know thank you so much thank you thank you for the invite We hope you enjoyed this episode of Nerdy Latinas Podcast. Please share us, review us, and send us a voice message. We'd love to hear from you. We'd also like to thank our guests and Madera Once for allowing us to use their beautiful music for this episode. Please join us in the next episode of Nerdy Latinas Podcast. <laughs>